My name is Christian. And I'm Rob. And this is Faith 168. There are 168 hours in every week. And in those 168 hours, we need Jesus to make it through. So join us every week as we share devotions, talk about standing boldly in the Word of God, and answer tough questions submitted by you, our listeners. Welcome Welcome to to Faith 168. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter what time you're listening to this, we want to say thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Faith 168 podcast. I'm here with my brother Christian, and he's going to start us off today. All right. I'm so glad to be back here and doing this episode with you, Brother Rob. I know both of us have been going through many different life changes. You are now a father of three, and uh, I'm about to be a father of two, and uh, just went through a moving process, and Brother Rob went through a moving process as well. So we've just got a lot of things going on, but we're looking forward to getting a little bit more on track and doing more episodes and and getting yeah. back to this because I believe this is a very important thing to both of us. And we just appreciate all of our listeners being patient Absolutely. with us. Yeah, but for sure. today we're, we're going to look at the judgment seat of Christ and This is something that Brother Rob and I talk about quite often, and Mm -hmm. this might have actually been one of the talking points that really connected us as friends, honestly, as as we've sat down. We we have a lot of things in common, but this is one of those things that I think uh, really brought us together and and helped us understand each other better and, and helped us realize how on the same page we are about this topic. But the judgment seat of Christ, I think, is a very important thing to talk about uh, because we have these questions. What will judgment day be like? What are what are some of the beliefs that people even have about that day? Will Christians have their wrongdoings held against them, uh, though they inherit the kingdom of God? I've heard it said, I don't know if you've heard this brother Rob, but I've heard of two judgment seats Mm -hmm. that, that everyone comes before the judgment seat of Christ. And then Christians have a second judgment and, and they stand before God. That's a, that's something I've heard taught as I grew up. Uh, That's something that I've heard as an adult. I remember sitting in a church uh, over in Murray, Kentucky and, Someone presented this as the second judgment, you know, Mm -hmm. where Christians get that extra jewel in their crown. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't sit well with me when I would hear that, even as I was growing up as a student, this idea of two different judgments that Christians are going to enter into heaven, enter into perfection, the kingdom of God, and have something to feel guilty about. Right. Because as I read through scripture, that, that just doesn't make sense to me. And I think we'll elaborate on this a little bit more. I don't want to get too far ahead. But will Christians have their wrongdoings held against them, though they inherit the kingdom of God? Will Christians go past the judgment seat of Christ and then stand before God the Father and answer for everything they did wrong here in this world 
That's a, a big question to answer. And so I think we'll just start with 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, and we'll work our way through several different verses as we go through this podcast. So 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And at face value, this can be something that is misunderstood. So we know that all people are going to appear before this judgment seat of Christ. And we know that it says here that they'll be repaid for what is done in the body, whether good or evil. So does that mean that everybody will get to see all of their good deeds and all of their bad deeds, whether Christian or lost? Uh, I don't think that that's what we're seeing here. I think it's something very important because when we look at this, we can get into this work-based theology Right. And Brother Rob's going to really elaborate a little bit more on this here in a moment. But I think that it is as simple as this, that evil is outside of Christ and good is inside of Christ. And so we have to look at the scripture as a whole and bring it together that when we see that our lawless deeds and transgressions are remembered no more because of the spilt blood of Jesus Christ, how can we stand before a judgment seat and be judged on sins that are remembered no more that are forgiven? That's not forgiveness. Right. Uh, that, that's just, you know, saying, hey, you're still going to have to uh, do something with this debt. It's just you don't have to That's pay right. the full penalty of separation from God for eternity. And so we need to be careful about how we look at this. I think Brother Rob has a verse that he's about to read. So if you will, go ahead and, and share what you know on that. Yeah, absolutely. I just was going to to bring up Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And the Word of God says, Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. And other uh, translations uh, and context says that um, what we reap, what we do good will reap good. What we do bad will reap bad. Um, but that is a, taking that out of context, we can see that there might be some, some bad times for us in the, in the future. Uh, and I heard a preacher say one time that, it's a scary thing uh, to think about the judgment seat of, of Christ because uh, it's going to be like a, having a movie played out before you and the movie is your life and God is going to go look through each and every detail and judge the, um, judge the motives of your heart for each thing that you do. Um, and, and he said, that's a scary thing. And, that is a scary thing, but the the good news is is the Bible doesn't teach that. Yeah, <laughs> the Bible tells nowhere. us that <laughs> no, the the Bible tells us that when our sins are forgiven, Psalms uh, one hundred three uh, verse um, twelve says that as far as the east is from the west, so has He removed our transgressions from us. As the Father has as a Father has compassion on His children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And so um, we see, and, and that's constant throughout scripture. It's always that he is, he's casting it as far as the East is from the West. And 
and I like uh, geography and, and things like that. And one thing that's interesting to me is on the globe, if, if you go north, eventually you're going to go south um, because you, you meet the end point and then you're going south. And then eventually if you go south far enough, you're going to go north. However, if you go east, you're never going to meet the west. And if you go west, you can keep on going for eternity and you'll never uh, meet the east. And what Jesus is saying through the, the psalmist here is that um, that our, our sins are gone. And, and how right. this is one of the things that's always um, hurt my brain to, to think about, but it's it's amazing nonetheless. The God that can't forget has already forgotten my sin. And, and not just the sin that I've already committed, the sin that I'm currently in and the sin that I'm going to be in tomorrow and until he comes to get me, right? And um, he's already forgotten it. And, and that is just simply amazing. And it's a, a biblical truth that we must keep in, in mind when we address these issues. Something else I want to talk about, about the verse that you read uh, and you can help me out with this after I, I go over it because uh, I know you're better at the Greek than I am. But the the judgment seat here is is bima, uh, and the word bima is actually talking about a stage um, there in Corinth, and the the stage was the place where um, sports and Olympians would go to get their medals, um, and so they would go to the stage to get a medal. You know what the stage wasn't for? The, the stage wasn't, you go to the stage and people laugh at you for how bad that you did. Everybody that gets to go to the stage gets a medal. Uh, and, and so the awesome thing is, is that, that this seat that, that, that we get to go to is of Christ. Notice that of Christ, as, as uh, Brother Chris already said, that we don't have multiple judgment seats by multiple different people. Uh, we, we get to go to one judgment, that is the judgment seat of Christ, and thank God that the Bible from cover to cover teaches that when G- when Jesus sees me, he's going to see his own body that covers me. Or in, a, in, in simpler terms, he's going to see a white robe of righteousness. Um, and, and once he sees that white robe, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And um, to think that I have to face my Savior... And an answer for my sin, I, I don't have an answer. But the only answer that I can seem to think of to cling to is is what um, one of my, my favorite Bible teachers um, says is the man on the middle cross said I could come. Um, and um, that's Alistair Begg said that, and, and I, just, I love that. Um, Jesus, the one, the, the God man that, that died for me said I could come in. And the good thing is that uh, there's only one way in, and that's through the door. Well, guess who the door is in Scripture? That is Christ himself. And so I, it's we hear these jokes all the time about people going to heaven and St. Peter letting them in. Well, guess what? Peter isn't man in the gate in heaven. I don't know. Jesus is the gate. <laughs> and, right. and I say that metaphorically and not physically because when we want to talk about heaven physically, we have to completely talk about something totally different. <laughs> but but metaphorically, Jesus is the door. And we don't have to go through Peter or Paul or Mary or anybody else. We go through Christ. Um, right. And so 
that's what we we're going to look at as we yeah. look through this together. Yeah, and and when we look at that Second Corinthians chapter five, verse ten, verse, if we stop there, it's really easy to think about a movie screen playing all of our good and evil deeds all together. But when you keep reading down, Paul concludes that chapter talking about the ministry ministry of uh, reconciliation. That's where right. He's reconciled us. He's made us new and, and taken that enmity between us and God and gotten rid of it. And that enmity was sin. And, yeah. and so he's completely gotten rid of sin. And, and I like to remind people that when God looks at us as Christians, though we have sin in this flesh, he looks at us as his blameless son. That's right. Uh, we've been covered in the blood. And so there's no way we can come to a conclusion that a Christian goes through two judgments where they're let into heaven. And then when they get into heaven, they have to see the screen of all of their evil deeds played out so that they can answer for those. Now, I do believe we do answer for our evil deeds in the flesh. That's right. I Absolutely. believe that when I fall short, if if I refuse to follow the will of God as a Christian, which we see has, has happened throughout scripture, yeah. Christians That's have fallen short of the glory of the God. Uh, we see in, that Paul talks about in Romans that sin is condemned to the flesh. That's why this flat flesh has to die. I also right. believe our punishment for sin as Christians is also condemned to the flesh here Absolutely. in this life. And so I believe God sometimes when I mess up when I stumble in sin says, okay, that sin's forgiven, but you still have to deal with the consequences in the flesh. Sometimes Absolutely. if I tell a lie, I've told that lie. It's out there. That sin is, is causing chaos and destruction. And though God has already forgiven that lie, that, that lie can come back here in this world, in this flesh and hit me square in the chest and, and cause some problems for me. And so I do think that there is repercussion as a Christian for sin, but I don't think it's in heaven because how can heaven be a perfect place without sin if sin is brought up? Yeah. And and it just doesn't make sense to me. There's another passage I want to uh, uh, look at too um, as, as we continue on. And, uh, it's John chapter five, verse 22 through 23. And this, this was a big one for me. This, this is really where it started to hit home, but yeah. we see that there is only one judge and yeah. something that's very unpopular to say, especially as a Baptist even is that God, the father doesn't judge us. Right. He, Absolutely. he judges no one. And we see that in John chapter five, verse 22 through 23, straight from the lips of Jesus, where he says the father, in fact, judges no one. Do I have to keep proving my point there? Right. <laughs> the father, in fact, judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son so that all people may honor the son just as they honor the father. Anyone who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. We can't conclude that there are two judgments, one before the father 
and one before the Son, because Jesus said himself that he is the only judge. And and that should excite us, honestly, because, you know, we see other scriptures that go along with this, that if you backed up a few uh, chapters in the book of John, John chapter 3, go, I know everyone's thinking I'm about to say verse 16, but go to the verse right after that, verse 17. Here's what the judge of all humanity says, that the Son of Man did not come into this world to condemn it, but that through him it might be saved. So our judge came into this world not to throw sin in our face, but to save us from it. So that way, when we do stand before him as the ultimate judge, he can say, welcome home, my good and faithful servant, not depart from me, you uh, worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And we, we see that, that compassion with the adulterous woman. What, what is that? John chapter eight. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's where the adulterous woman is brought in that yeah. those first 11 verses in John chapter yes. eight. And she was caught in the act of adultery and the law said that she must be killed. She must be killed for her sin. And there's a whole sermon in this, but I'll, I'll come to the simple point in this is yeah. that at the very end, when everybody was ready to kill her, Jesus says, anyone who has no sin can throw the first stone stone. Yeah. And he was the only one standing there with no sin, which meant sure. by the law, he would have been right. And by what he said, he would have been right in throwing a stone at her and condemning her to death. But right. he says to her instead, look around, woman, where are your accusers? And she says, Lord, there are none. And he says, neither do I accuse you. Stand up and sin no more. So there is a command there in the forgiveness of sin that we shouldn't go back on sin. Not that we won't stumble in it, but we should not live in our sin. And when we are Christians following the call of the Holy Spirit, he leads us away from sin. And when we stumble in it, he keeps leading us away from sin. But Rob, what do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. Going back to to Jesus is the only one who judges. I want to go back to a scene that most Christians are probably familiar with. Even non-Christians probably know this story because um, because the judgment of it. But what amazes me um, is the grace in the story that just doesn't get talked about enough. And that's the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. So mm-hmm. God comes that. down in the form of man. Now, interestingly enough... Who is Jesus? God in the what? In the flesh. Yeah. And so Jesus comes, or God comes down to to Abraham in the form of a man. I wonder who that is. And uh, so Jesus is, is there with Abraham even before he was born because Jesus didn't start when he was born. He's eternal uh, just as the Father is because him and the Father are, are one. Uh, but so we see, see Jesus there and, and him and Abraham are talking and uh, he Abraham knows that the angels that came with him are, are down and they're they're judging the city and Jesus already knows the judgment he's not uh, seeking what he can find. I believe that the reason he sends the angels is to get Lot out of there. Um, you know, he 
obviously they go down and, and see the wickedness. But but anyway, so he, he goes down and they, they see the wickedness. They t- tell Lot to get out. Jesus is talking to Abraham and Abraham said, you're going to really destroy the city. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to. He said, what about, what if there's like, I don't know, 50 holy righteous people down there. You wouldn't destroy the whole city over the sake of a few, would you? And Jesus was like, no, if there's, if there was that many, I would save it. Well, you know, what about, uh, 40, 30, 10, five. And and he's like, no, I, I, for the sake of five, I, I would, I would save the whole city. Um, which tells you that Lot and his family wasn't where they needed to be either. Right. Um, and, and so, uh, but, so we we see the judgment. God is going to de- destroy all of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, and who makes that judgment call? Jesus does, because he is the judge. The Father doesn't judge. Um, that, that's not something new. That's all of human history. That's why when we see Adam and Eve in the garden, in order to get out of the garden alive, God kills an animal and covers their nakedness, their shame, and their guilt. That is a foreshadow of what Jesus is going to do because Jesus is the judge, not the father. And so we see it even in, in the beginning. Uh, but too many people focus on the, the sulfur and the fire and, and brimstone that, that fall down in Sodom and Gomorrah. But but I'm, I'm stuck with Jesus in this grace that he's willing to save the whole city for the sake of a few. Um, mm-hmm. He just couldn't find any. And that was the same with the flood. He had to destroy the whole earth because they're the only people that were righteous or, or whole or um, perfect in the sense of uh, being pure um, was knowing his family. Um, I see grace all through yeah. that. And obviously that grace is in, in the sun. And, and you know why Lot is saved? Because is it a holy or righteous thing? Did it please God that Lot offered up his virgin daughters to the angels or to to the men who were coming trying to have sex with the angels? No, it it didn't please God. That was unholy, unrighteous. A father shouldn't act like that way with his daughters. Mm -hmm. So why does does Jesus save Lot? He saves him for the sake of of Abraham. Isn't that that awesome? We, We see the glory of God's grace in Jesus, even at Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, And and that proves that he is the one who judges. He's the one who um, saves and and judges. Uh, And so if we are in him, um, we are one of his. And I love this verse, and I can't remember the reference off the top of my head. You might know it, brother. Um, But we are joint heirs with Christ. That means I'm joint heirs with God. That means, now, don't get me wrong. That's not meaning everything that's his is mine. But what that means is the future is mine because I will be with His, him and he will be my God and I'll be his child. And that is, that's just amazing. And to think that the, the God who would do all of that for me, that took care of every sin of every saint on the cross, would bring up my sin again. I, there's just no yeah. biblical explanation for it, but uh, we can keep on. I know you have another topic topic to get to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we see this. We see it play out in Revelation as well. 
Absolutely. Uh, we see in Revelation chapter 5, verse 1 through 7, if we're talking about the end days here, what is that going to be like? Judgment day. That's right. Uh, John writes this, that I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one in heaven or on earth or under earth was able to open the scroll or even look in it. I wept and wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even to look in it. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he is able to open the scroll in its seven seals. Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. And he had seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. He went and took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. And, and so there's a lot of imagery here, of course, and we're not going to get into the imagery today. This might be another episode that we look at yeah. one day. But ultimately, this, this scroll we look at it in one sense, it's the judgment of God, but it's also this scroll is the redemption of the saints, the redemption right. of those that are saved. And so you would wonder why would John be crying that no one could open the scroll if it meant that he was about to be the one judged by it? That That's one point to look at right there. He wasn't crying because uh, of, of fear. He was crying because he was a part of that redemptive process. He That's was right. redeemed. He was saved. He was sealed in Christ. And so he wanted that to be open. But That's in right. that being opened, there was going to be judgment as well. And we see that there was only one person able to come forward and to open the scroll and pour out the judgment of God. And that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. He, he, this imagery shows that it's the lion of Judah, the root of David. These were terms that we used for Christ throughout the Old Testament and going into the New Testament to sure. understand more about him and, and the prophecy surrounding him. And so Jesus comes and takes the scroll and he's the one who judges the world and redeems the saints. And I know you might not feel like a saint sometimes. I Sometimes I find it extremely hard to think that when the scripture talks about saints, that it's talking about me. Right. But it is because I am redeemed right. by the blood of the lamb. In the eyes of God, I am sinless. I am a saint. Though in right. this flesh I stumble, one day I'll be freed from this flesh and I will be perfected. I will stand before my Savior. I'll hear those words, welcome home, my good and faithful servant. And that's all that's going to happen. I'm not sure. going to hear about my bad deeds because they are in the past. That's right. Absolutely. You, go, you, you take on with that one. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just love this whole thing. I mean, I, I can't imagine um, being in, in John's shoes and, and seeing this and, and hearing this and experiencing it. But um, can you imagine being John for just a second and, and seeing everything that he is? And, and you see, as you said, 
the piece of paper and you don't you can't see in it so you don't know what's there but but you know um but you know what there what's there nonetheless um right and you you can't see it and, and nobody can open it there there's no redemption inside if if that's not if that's not open um and it's funny it says no one on earth or uh, or in heaven or under the earth so that's none of the living none of the dead and and, and none of the um, the Old Testament saints that are now in heaven or none of the angels um, that are, are are with Jesus can can do it. But there's one who steps up. And that one, um, like you said, and I, I would love to take the time to go into these, but, but we don't have time. But right. the, the King of Kings is what this is saying. The, the, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords steps up and he is able to open the scroll, he is the one who who saves, and he is the one who reveals. Mm-hmm. He's the one that is going to to be there when we're standing before his throne, and he's the one that's going to say, "Well done, my my good and and faithful servant." And I, I can't yes. I can't wait for that day, and I know that um, that on that day. Uh, as Jesus himself said, um, he'll, he'll say to those on his right, well done, my good and faithful servant. And we'll be like, why? What did we do? Because we're going to be standing in, in the presence of, of perfection, of holiness. Um, and, and a lot of people talk about having these dreams or visions or uh, experiences being caught up in, in seeing heaven. And they talk about how beautiful it is and all this other stuff. And I just... It's hard for me to imagine going to heaven and, and not coming back and talking about Jesus and Jesus alone. But but nonetheless, um, we we get to to go and and see the the King of Kings, the the Lord of Lords, and and He uh, is going to say, "Well done, my good and faithful servant." And, and we're going to say, "Why? What? What? I know what I've done, I, and I've done wicked things. I've done terrible things because when." Um, when Isaiah stands before God, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. When John sees Jesus the first time, he falls down prostrated and worships Jesus. Um, we see that Peter, the first time he understands who Jesus is on the boat, um, when they catch the big sum of fish, he bows down and he says, Lord, get away from me. I'm un." holy. That's what we're going to do. And so we're going to say, why would you save somebody like me? Um, and he'll say, well, you know, you were there and you, uh, when the, those that were hungry and they were my, my children, you fed them and you went to visit them in prison and you did all these things and you did it for me. And they will say, we'll say, would we didn't do that for you. And he'll say, when you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. Um, and, but ultimately, it's not even about those things, right? Mm-hmm. The one thing that it's truly about is that our faith and trust is placed in the one and only, the the, the one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. Um, and in that, there's no room. There's no, no room for condemnation. There's no room for um, for a false judgment 
or, or, or not a false, but a, a negative judgment. It, mm-hmm. It's all good job. Well done. Here is your crown that I believe we're going to throw right back at his feet and say, we don't deserve this. This is yours. Um, and, and so uh, it, it's just a beautiful scripture. And I'm glad you brought, yeah. brought it up. And that leads us to um, the next topic is Jesus, Jesus was worthy to take the scroll and dispense God's righteous judgment on the world. Why? It's because he succeeded where we failed. And you've got a, a scripture for that, brother. You want to go ahead with that? Yeah. Yeah. Hebrews chapter four, verse 14 through 16. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but mm-hmm. one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, yeah. let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. Underline that one. Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, Amen. so that way right. we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Mm. And here's why it had to be Jesus, Brother Ron. Yeah. Is that the father can't be tempted. That's right. Right? So could God the father judge us? Yes, but we would be without hope. There Mm. would be no no mercy or salvation in that because the father cannot be tempted. Therefore, it doesn't matter about our temptation. We would stand before him and the law would be held against us. Mm. End of story. But his love was so great for us that he made sure to make this way. We we see that this way was made before even the foundations of the world. That's what That's Paul right. writes, that, that right. Christ was crucified before the foundations of the world. And so Jesus came, if you read through the book of Hebrews, it's beautiful. We're, we're reading through that right now at First Baptist Church for our, for our Bible study on Wednesday evenings. And the reason that it's Jesus is, that he came into this world in the flesh was to walk amongst us, to be our kinsmen, to experience what we have experienced. Right. Yet the difference is where we have failed, he succeed. And that kind of goes with our, our, one of our most popular verses that we quote quite often throughout here. And I quote it quite often when I'm preaching on Sundays, but second Corinthians five twenty one, he made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we could be the righteousness of God. You see on the cross, after Jesus walked in the flesh and succeeded where we failed, because in the flesh, even though he's fully God, he was also fully human. So in the flesh, Jesus was tempted and he succeeded where we failed so that he could walk up to the cross of Calvary, spill out every single drop of blood that he had for the remission of sins. And he could say, uh, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I don't believe that was just him talking to about those people that were cru- crucifying him, but I think that was something we could take as a universal cry, forgive them. They know not what they do. But he spilled out his blood and he said, I am going to take their place. And we see this crazy moment. And, and Brother Rob talks about this because it's so crazy because Jesus is God in the flesh, yet God the Father in this moment on the cross turns his back on the son. And you got to think of how crazy that is in our mind to understand that I 
as a human being right here cannot turn my back on myself i would to try that i would break my back but <laughs> right uh, you know but but we see the father and son who are one completely mm-hmm. separated in this moment as jesus takes on the sins of the world And Jesus did not do that in vain. Jesus, when he took on the sins of the world, he paid for them. He paid for them so that they would not be brought up again. And so simply, the father can't be tempted, but Jesus was tempted by Satan. We see that in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. But he did not fail. Therefore, he is a merciful high priest. He is a gracious high priest high priest. He has uh, sympathy for our weakness, but yet even though he came in the weakness of of the flesh, he stood strong so that we could come to this point, that we could approach this throne of grace. I believe we're talking about the same thrones metaphorically here. We're using different terminology, but we can approach the throne of Christ Mm-hmm. Yeah. with boldness because Christ is grace. We can approach right. it with boldness, not because we are right, not because we are good, not because we are mighty, but because we are forgiven. So Amen. don't tell me that when I get to heaven, the first thing I'm going to be reminded of is sin because my savior has already taken care of that. Yeah. Um Speaking of, of Hebrews, we're going through Hebrews on um, on Sunday nights, and uh, there, there's I'll one. Send me your notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's there's one one set of scripture that I think is the most difficult. Give me um, the book of Revelation. Give me the book of Isaiah. Give me the latter half of of Daniel. I'll preach it to the best of my ability, but man, Hebrews chapter six is tough um, mm-hmm. to to preach. And, and I want to tell you why. And it's right here. So uh, in Hebrews six, verse four, it says, for it is impossible to renew to repentance those who were once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, who shared in the Holy Spirit, who tasted God's good word and the powers of the coming age and who have fallen away. This is because to their harm, they are re-crucifying Jesus. Uh, Recrucifying the Son of God and holding Him up to contempt, um, and so I think just hearing that you can see why it's hard to uh, to preach, knowing that um, once we are saved, we are always saved. Once we have been redeemed, we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and God is not going to take that back. Uh, another way to look at it is that when we are in the protection and the grasp of God, nothing can take us out of his hand. And so what is this talking about? This is talking about a, a group of people, a, a people that have come to Jesus, but um, they're still trusting their own works, the works of the old law, rather than the law that's written on the heart that is given by the Holy Spirit. And so what they're doing is saying, yes, I believe in Jesus, but also have to do this good thing. Uh, yes, I believe in Jesus, but I have to do circumcision. Yes, I believe in Jesus, but I still need to make this sacrifice. Um, one of my issues with with saying that that we're going to have to stand before Jesus and go through all of our sin means that he's got to be crucified over and over and over and over and over again, because every time he sees my sin, he's got to be crucified. 
That's not how this works. He he yeah, paid saying one, that, that it's not good enough. <laughs> right, it's, it's not good enough. Yeah. He he's paid once for all the sins of the world. He he paid in full and it was an overpayment. Jesus's blood is worth more than every life that's ever lived on this planet. And he poured it out for us. It was an overpayment, yet he loved us so much that he gave that payment. And it was a payment that he paid once and never will have to again. Yeah. And when we try to bring up our sin, what happens is that that Satan is glorified and not Christ. But when when we celebrate the redemption we have in Jesus, then God is glorified by the Son, through the Son, for the Son. And and I don't want us to to sit and worry about the the first, and, and this is what breaks my heart. There's so many Christians worried about the first time they see their maker's face. The the first moment I see my maker's face is going to be the the best day of eternity for me. Um, and to, to be scared of that day, I, I just don't. I, I don't want anybody to have to suffer the idea of, of seeing Jesus face to face. Yeah. Jesus that's, is that's kind of, it sounds like a punishment of hell, not, yeah. not a, the glory of, of heaven, you know, to, to think that I will stand before Jesus and see the disappointment on his face of, of my sin. Why would he even start with welcome home? My good and faithful servant, you know, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. but yeah, there's a lot of logical things too in thinking about that that doesn't make sense. But the scriptural parts are are the big things there. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah. Well, I I think I think we covered that topic. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, that everybody will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and That's Christ right. is the one true judge. We will all stand before Him, and. It'll be as simple as this. If you stand before him and you have not put your faith in him, you'll stand before him and you will be judged by the law. Those right. evil works will be judged and you will be found guilty. And you'll hear the words, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. But if you right. have put your faith in Jesus Christ, the blood has been applied to your account. You will stand right. before the judgment seat of Christ and there will be no condemnation you will right. hear those words, welcome home, my good and faithful servant. And Amen. you will spend eternity with Christ, you'll, who is the fullness of the Godhead three in one. And Amen. So, which is, an, I think, another episode we could probably do right there. But I Absolutely. encourage you, if you're listening to this today, do not tarry. Do not wait. Put yes. your faith in Christ so that you can experience his love, his grace, and his forgiveness that mm -hmm. is more than able to cover the multitude of your sins. Brother Robbie, do you have any words before we dismiss? Yeah, I just, um, the, the beauty of uh, the prodigal son, when, when the prodigal son comes home to the father, he's given a a, a new robe to wear. That is the, the robe of, of righteousness. He's given a... Uh, a ring, and that that ring is the the sign of a, a seal, which is worn by royalty. It's a, a seal that is forever sealed in in us, uh, a seal of perfection and, and redemption. Um, 
that doesn't mean that that we can live life how we want to, that that we can sin all we want to, and uh, know that we've got our fire insurance because a true love doesn't live like that. Um, right. A true love wants to please the Father, but understands that pleasing the Father is is walking in Christ and and knowing. As Paul says, when when Christ comes back, the first thing that's going to happen is I'm going to be changed. If I'm still on this earth, I'm going to be changed to be like Him. That means this flesh is going to pass away, and I'll I'll put off what is what is perishing, and I'll put on the imperishable. And and with my flesh that dies in that moment, I'm going to to rid myself of the sin or I'm not going to rid myself. Jesus is going to rid me of my sin because it dies with the flesh. It, it's gone. And so I, I receive this, uh, this eternal body that is going to forever um, be, be fruitful in the new paradise as I uh, eat from the, the, the fruit of the tree of life and, and drink from that fountain that flows from the, uh, the, the throne of, of Jesus. And so um, I, I just I hope that you understand what we're saying is it's not that you can live however you want to. Um, when we were sinners, we were slaves to, to sin. But when we come to Jesus, we're a servant or a slave to, to Christ. We ought to do good things because he calls us to do good things. And we ought to love him and serve him because he loves us and he served us and he died for us. Um, mm-hmm. What we don't want you to do is have to, to serve out of fear because serving out of fear is 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 almost a punishment. Uh, serving out of love, you do it with joy. Uh, and, and we want you to experience the fullness of a life in Christ. And that's a, a, that's a life of joy and peace and, and yeah. love. And, and so we just hope that you'll just breathe a breath, breath of fresh air and know that, that your sin is taken care of. And when you sin, you have an advocate with the father, but we ought to want to please Jesus because we love him, not because we have to. Yeah. And serving out of fear is insincere. Uh, yep. You know, that, that's, that's how, you know, many dictators have been set up that, that they instill fear and in, to their people so that they will fall in line with whatever evil regime that they have built. And, sure. and God's never been about instilling fear in his people when we see about the fear of the Lord, that's that's a respect of his position, that he's the creator of the universe yeah. and that that he holds everything in his hands. That's what it means to fear the Lord, but not to fear him in the sense of you're trembling in your boots, therefore you serve him. It's that grace and mercy that brings us to that understanding that we love him because he first loved us and we want that's to right. serve him because he came to this world in the flesh. And even though he was the judge came to this world, not to judge us, but to serve us by giving himself as the perfect sacrifice for sins. But we're so thankful for all of you. And uh, we look forward to many more episodes. Sorry for the lack of episodes lately. Uh, We're, we're really trying to get back into this. Uh, we just got to work out some schedule details and we're getting to that point to yeah. where we can, can finally get back to this, but well, we love you all. We thank you for listening and brother Rob's going to close us out with a prayer. Father, we thank you so much for 
the opportunity to uh, to have this conversation uh, about the gospel, the good news of what you've done for us, um, that you left heaven, that you emptied yourself, that um, that although you were equal with God, you didn't consider equality with God something to, to boast about, but yet you came in to be a, a servant and to serve those um, of whom you created. And, and uh, then you lived a, a perfect life and uh, you forgave and showed mercy and, and, and grace. And then you died for my sin. And when you died, you paid the full price for my sin. You paid the full price for Brother Christian's sin. You paid the full price for every person listening to this podcast, God. And we just say thank you. That that the overpayment of Jesus's blood was paid on my behalf so that uh, just as your word says that that he became sin, that I might become your righteousness. I thank you for that, that now that I wear the the white robe of, of righteousness without spot, without blemish, his blood has washed me clean. I don't have to, to fear about meeting you face to face. And in fact, the, the thing I look forward to the most is, is to see you, my, my creator, my savior, and my friend. Yes. God, help us to walk in the, the peace and the joy that is your mercy and your grace. And help us to spread that everywhere we go as we live faithfully for you 168 hours of every week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Every week has its trials and tribulations, and we want to encourage you to seek Christ during those times. We want to pray for you during those times. So look us up on Facebook by typing in Faith168 Podcast and send us a message. It can be a prayer request or maybe you want us to answer a question that you've been contemplating. Just send us a message. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we will see you again in 168 hours.